I didn't follow any advice. For some reason, started this whole thing as a hobby to educate my friends about online marketing. And out of this thing, as out of this hobby seminars, uh, the whole company, the whole festival has come out of this unplanned, foreseeable. And the only thing that that drove me here is probably, as we said, curiosity, impulse to do something and not wait, offer a seminar, do something for friends that ask you about online marketing, and then a passion for producing content. I really like that. Um, so these things helped me. I totally understand. I was very lucky and I didn't follow that advice that I can now share un unless um, it's passion and it's curiosity and it's uh, go out and do. And now, your podcast hosts, Andre and Christian. Welcome back to another episode of Connecting for Future. I'm your host Christian and together with me my co-host Andre. We are in Hamburg, Germany today with the rockstar himself, <laughs> the CEO and founder of the online marketing rockstars, the man behind one of the most influential digital marketing events worldwide, Philipp Westermeier. Philipp, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me and most important, uh, being a rock star is not my self-perception. I uh, don't look at myself, I don't see myself uh, as anything close to that. I am uh, the, the people we put on stage, uh, our, our, our speakers, our musicians, artists, uh, experts, they hopefully are rock stars, but uh, not so much myself. Philip, let's dive right in. OMR 2024. Who and what are we going to see? Um, I mean, we, we we never do like a, a real light motif or any any any, any theming in that sense. Um, what we do is uh, we try to uh, portray what's currently happening in tech and in digital and in marketing media. Maybe that's our 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 turf. Um, and most likely there will be a lot of AI discussion. AI experts. We had them this year. We have will have them ne next year because that's an ongoing issue. Um, we'll discuss. Uh, Political stuff, I think digital is becoming more and more political. Uh, so there's a, uh, regulation, all kinds of uh, uh, jurisdiction questions. It sounds a little boring, but we try to bring interesting uh, politicians uh, on stage. Um, and then we have like pop culture, as always. Um, mm. Not exactly sure who's going to be this year's Tarantino, this year's Serena Williams, but we have somebody from pop culture. We have uh, musicians. We probably do... Um, international music again. We had Mclemore this year, our first international artist. So we'll, we'll probably um, have more uh, from the US, I think. Um, and I'm uh, I'm in New York and in, in the US, traveling in September and trying to uh, get some some interesting US uh, uh, people to come. I'm meeting uh, Rock Nation, other uh, US people, and, and, and let's see who we can bring over. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, uh, Omar Festival has had uh, tremendous growth in the last couple of years. Is there an end to growth? I mean, the whole city is full when <laughs> Omar is happening, so I can't imagine it uh, becoming even bigger. Yeah, I mean, there is solutions to, to get it to grow a little further, but as you mentioned, the, the limitation is not so much that not more people would like to purchase a ticket. And we had like a waiting list for tickets this year, a couple of thousand people on the waiting list, meaning I guess probably 10, 12,000 people that would have bought a ticket if possible. 
But the limitation is the fairgrounds, the exhibition spaces that we have. And also the hotels, probably. And the hotels and, yeah, the, the city itself. We, we, we try to sort of enlarge the city now. How we do that? We bring in a, potentially a cruise ship into the Hamburg Harbor. So cruise ship, 5,000 beds. Um, we have a partner with uh, booking and uh, hotel re reservation system. So when people enter OMR and look for a hotel at OMR, it's not only Hamburg anymore. It's um, all the neighboring cities that have a very fast um, train connection. Mm -hmm. So you can sleep somewhere 20 minutes outside Lübeck, for instance. There's a couple of hotels there that we can um, also take on for our people. And then the people can come by train um, 20 minutes. And f fortunately, the, the fairgrounds are right next to Dumtor Bahnhof, Dumtor Station. So it's, it's a really quick commute. Um, But that's that's the work we have to do in the background to, to sort of enlarge the city and, and, and create more capacity um, for the event. Uh, the demand is there, but the infrastructure needs to be built. Yeah. Exactly, and the um, when you, we talk about the target group of OMR, I mean there are, it, it's it's from B 2 C little boys and girls who are <laughs> starting their career in in digital marketing to the CDOs of this world and and the companies. So it's huge. So how, how do you manage to, to still have a brand that stands for itself and not fades out in every direction? I think it's, it's, a, it's a narrow path. I mean, uh, first rule of thumb for me is to not get greedy. Uh, you have to really invest into the event, invest into the content, the production value. The, the people have to feel it's something special. And that's I think, is an USP because many other events, they are held by big conglomerations, big corporations, they need to produce a lot of money. There's always the question, how can we produce more money? With us, we are privately held. We can make our own decisions and we can sometimes decide to do stuff that does not make sense economically. We decide, look, let's try this lightning solution that's, or this, this, this light and sound solution. Let's build a stage like that. Uh, let's bring in these people. Let's pay this artist um, a crazy amount to make this event different, to make it stand out. Um, and in Germany, there is this uh, legendary journalist, Henry Nunn, he said um, about journalism, about making a magazine at the time, but I think it's still correct. Um, you have to sometimes throw money out of the window um, to be able to bring uh, it, even larger amounts back in. Um, and we still believe in throwing money out of the window, not completely uh, random, but um, we, we don't do everything as efficiently as you could and as economic as possible. We really want to invest. We want to invest in the, into the experience, into our uh, people, into our customers. Um, and and that, I think that's that differentiates us, that keeps the, the brand alive, um, and that then draws people from all kinds of backgrounds, uh, younger people that are just starting, um, as well as senior people, even C-level people. Most of our guests are like somewhere um, on the C-level or below, but we probably have like a couple thousand, usually the people that buy around uh, Black Friday, hmm. the ticket holders that are, that are you know, new to the industry in their, in their 20s. Yeah, and look, we are both working within sales. You are the marketing guru, right? But last year, you even had to stop the uh, selling process yeah. of the tickets. Yeah. Um, would you guys not also consider going to Hannover, for instance? It would still be considered as being in the north. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. And um, it is an ongoing discussion. People uh, approach us. Um, but I think limiting something or giving or setting yourself a certain limit or accepting that there is a limit to something, in this case, the city, 
is something that drives value. Because, I mm. mean, you, they, uh, look at Wimbledon or other events. They also like have the limitations. They respect the tradition. And um, they wouldn't be the same if there was like huge bowls, huge stadiums. Um, so I think, uh, again, it's a narrow path um, to, to really like, accept that something is in, in, in short supply mm. makes it attractive. Um, on the other hand, you don't want to like uh, create a product that, that is, is, is not welcoming and that this is, is closed for certain people because I always don't, I don't like that myself. Huh? So um, I think um, Hamburg makes this event special. Hamburg is our hometown. Hamburg is where we come from, is what we know. Um, and, and for the moment, and I, I just mentioned this, have come some uh, yeah, ideas to, for infrastructural growth here. Um, but you're right. Uh, Hanover is is is, in a, is a place that at some point might be interesting, but not the, for the moment. Understood. And in terms of your vision, like I know maybe this fits also like about three years from now, if you look to the OMR, what is your vision? I think um, right now we had 70,000 visitors um, and that is single people, unique people. Um, um, not visits, many other events, you know, that's always uh, unclear what is what is exactly the, the, the KPI for us. It's really single people that need a bed, 70,000 of them. Some sleep in Hamburg. Obviously, they come from here, but most of them are, are visitors. Um, and I think it's possible to grow it in Hamburg if you if you uh, do our homework if you do our homework correctly and grow it to around 90,000. I think that that's what the city can hold. Um And we'll get there over the next, I think, uh, five years. Then, obviously, I want to make it more internationally known. Um, I think we are household name in, in the industry, at least in uh, in Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. Not so much in the U.S. Um, not even that much in France or Poland. That it needs to develop a little bit. Um, so we work on that. Um, also, we we try to optimize stuff. Uh, we try to optimize the structure. As I mentioned, there's a lot of um, younger industry people coming in which is important but you want to find the right ones uh, maybe in the early years we had uh, at least that was the customer feedback also visitors that were not of the same value to our exhibitors so we've um, really found ways I think ticket price um, to, to, to filter and select um, we also optimize uh, visitor structure a little bit And then I have my big dreams. You know, as I said, if I, I'm flying to the US, uh, meeting Rock Nation, like who owns that company? I, best case, bring him over. Mm -hmm. It's it's probably not going to happen soon, but um, you know he'll notice. I, I'm coming to New York. I'm I'm trying to like really um, be convincing and and, and, and 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 persuade people to come. And at some point, we have like then uh, the biggest people uh, or the most relevant people in the world. I, we're getting there. Yeah, I think think big is something that's uh, close to your heart, huh? Uh, um, at least in this context, I mean, I'm I'm not that like not 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 raised that like that, or not by nature. Um, but with this event, I just by accident stumbled into this opportunity and, and saw this niche. You know, there's this niche for an event that nobody saw. I, I, I didn't even see it. I, I did it as a hobby and it grew and grew and grew and new opportunities came in and all of a sudden you can see stuff and you see this is possible. This seems possible. We, we, I look at our revenues and I'm like, okay, this could be possible. Um, on, um, and, and so I, I, I try to make the most of this opportunity, yeah. 
And switching to podcasting, since this has become more and more powerful as a medium for communication and engagement, could you share some tips and tricks for podcasters? I mean, um, as with, one thing I learned with influencers, and in a way podcasting is also a little bit similar to influencer life, um, the thing that helps you the most is being there early. <laughs> If you're like early on Instagram, early on TikTok, early in podcasting, you you receive like the the other early uh, um joiners and 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 you you just grow from that and um so so my secret to success for the Omar podcast at least is probably it just exists for very long already mm. so um other than that i think you really have to live it um you know if you, if you can't be there early because it's now it's not early anymore in podcasting You really have to differentiate uh, yourself through passion and, um, um, yeah, a, a real uh, love for that for the medium. And, and I mean, you guys—it's the best example. You came here to do the podcast here in person because you care, um, mm -hmm. and that's the only way you can do it. You can't just, you know, try to make money and, and invest like two hours a week and and, and record an interview and just uh, put it online. You have to really with all your social media presence, with all your connections, friendships, I don't know, private life, much needs to be thrown in there um, to let it grow. And then people feel that you care about that topic, that you're really like someone that, that, that is relevant for that topic. Um, and then I think if you, if you hit the right community within podcasting, if you hit the right topic and the right community around that topic, then the community helps you grow, I think. And you have to then really initiate that community. Uh, unlock the community that usually exists around a certain topic. Yeah, these are some great tips, Philip. And I think, question I myself, we also uh, know that it, it takes some time to understand, you know, what's working, what's not working, to understand, you know, to fail, to do something differently and, and just develop. Um, But the good thing is that now. something that I think that, 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 that gives me confidence, maybe that gives you confidence as well, is if you have 50, 60, 70 listeners, mm. They don't. They're usually not people that ha don't have anything else to do. If there's 70 people that listen, or like maybe even 50 or 30 people that listen to this, um, that is proof. I mean, it's 30 people that spend like an hour, invest an hour, half hour, an hour and a half into your product. If 30 or 50 people do it, then there's definitely going to be hundreds, thousands more. You just need to find them. But the, the proof of concept is there. I mean, usually you struggle with like product market fit, as you call it, in, in business and, and, and reaching audience. But if you have like a smallest audience, um, it shows, it proves that there's something. Because I mean, maybe one person listens, it's your mother, and the second person, it's your brother and your neighbor, and somebody stumbles into the podcast accidentally. But if you have like, let's say, 100 Then it's no accident. It's no. It's no. It's not random. It is. A, it is a product that people apparently like. And if you find a hundred people, you find a thousand. Um, I think that gives me a lot of confidence. Or gave me now. I have a couple of thousand, and I tell myself, look, I have a couple of thousand listeners. That's no accident. I'll find more. And there is more out there. Um, and I think that's that's probably even in the early days, especially in the early days, um, a helpful way to look at it. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. And we also thought about like how to grow, right? So we are like now all German native speaking guys um, in terms of doing something in English, for instance. Do you have any experience on, I know you guys have like... I would build a newsletter. Try to build a newsletter around the podcast. I think the, the podcast today has to um, 
be uh, the center of like a smaller media brand. Huh? Mm -hmm. and, and what does it mean? Um, maybe an Instagram account, maybe a newsletter, maybe a website, uh, maybe some reels, video footage of the podcast. But uh, the podcast can be the heart and soul of this uh, media item, but um, it needs some extensions and some some more visibility usually and, and some elements that, that help to engage with the community that I just mentioned. And so I think um, that's um, a good question to ask yourself, like what is my medium? Is it, is it Instagram? Is it a newsletter? Is it a WhatsApp group? Um, is it, is it um, uh, video footage? Well, what is it? Is it some of it or all of it? Um, but I think a podcast just by itself um, might not be enough. So, and, and you had uh, in the last couple of years, you, you had some incredible guests uh, in your podcast. How do you acquire them? Uh, how easy it is for you to get the relevant people in front of your mic? Um, it, it, it really is a journey. I mean, I, I got lucky, as I said, I was there early. Then I reached out to Dieter Bohlen, uh, the first celebrity guest ever. Um, he had no idea what a podcast is, but he had never been into one. He'd never been asked before. So he was like, okay, I don't know. You seem nice. You came through, an, through a mutual friend. Come over and we do it. So that was that was how it went in the early days. Uh, mm -hmm. Today, Dieter Bohlen probably receives, I don't know, 10 podcast uh, requests in a month. So he rejects most of them. Mm -hmm. um, but in the early days, it was different. So, and, and, and we grow with the, you know, with the opportunities that we had in the early days and with Dieter and, and other uh, celebrities. And then once you have the, the first ones, you get recommended and other people see that and audience sees that, audience grows and then people want to come onto the podcast. We receive a lot of requests from people that want to be a guest on the podcast. And then there are certain targets that I set myself mm. um, as, as, as uh, with American superstar rappers, uh, entrepreneurs. I would like to have him podcast, festival, it's the same. Um, and then you try and, and, and write emails and ask for an introduction, and write another email, wait a little bit. You know, you have to be persistent and explain to people why it would make sense for them um, to be on the podcast or at the festival. And that's I do the exact same thing. I, 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 go, I walk out here and I sit there and build a presentation that I'm going to present then in New York uh, and, and, and try to find arguments, find... Um, Uh, reasons why such a person that has all the money in the world, all the fame in the world, why he should board a jet and come to Hamburg. Uh, it's, uh, there's arguments that try to find the best ones. And do you see some change in terms of, if I look within social media, right, with Facebook, for instance, it used to be very personal. Now you see more and more commercial. So in other words, for podcasting, would you see, like, as you described with Dieter Bohlen, he gets so many requests, would he reject and say, hey, I'm only going to show up if you pay me money? Um, I'm sure that that exists. I'm sure that exists. We have uh, also paid uh, speaking uh, fees um, and, 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 and podcast fees if that is uh, that person's way of life. Uh, if that's an author um, uh, or professor had that, uh, yeah, they usually, you know, that's, that's what they do for a living. Yeah? So you want to respect that. We usually don't do that, but I'm sure it exists and I'm sure there's celebrities that, that would be on whatever podcast if they get money for it. Um, it's not what we do. Um, but in certain cases, I think, also with the event, I mean, if, if we bring over a Harvard professor, uh, what he does for a living is, is, is teach and speak. 
why would you do that for free with us? I mean, sometimes um, they do because they also enjoy the reach and the relevance that our stage gives them. But um, many cases they they ask for for fee. And I think it's fair. I do the same. I mean, I go to events, I go to places, and I also sometimes ask for fee because it's you know uh, it's travel and all that. But it's yeah. in podcasting, it's not very common, mm. and we've not done it in over six hundred episodes. We've done it maybe I don't know once or twice, mm. but I'm sure it exists. And I know, uh, especially with influencers, many things are possible if you pay the price. Huh? Right. Yeah. Switch into technology. What, what do you see as the hottest stuff in uh, online sales and marketing currently? I mean, obviously, everybody's talking about AI. Um, the, my problem is I don't know much about it technologically. <laughs> I mean, and, and I know the basics of how it's supposed to work and what it does right now. Um, and it's quite amazing. Um, but I, I still don't understand how it's going to really change business models right now, um, how it generates money. I, I know there's some edge cases and there's some ways where um, OpenAI makes money, charges for the service, I, I know all this, but like the real business models that persist, I have not, I don't think I've seen them yet. Um, AI somehow is, is like in the, sort of like in the middle, but you can't even see it. It's mm -hmm. behind uh, Adobe, Salesforce, technology somewhere. And there's no AI, and you, you as, a, as a user don't even notice. Huh? Um, or it makes stuff faster, it helps you with the right suggestions and whatever. Um, but the real business cases and the real um, impact to my life, I haven't felt it yet. I, I'm sure it's going to come, but I haven't felt it yet. Um, Is it the same with the uh, metaverse? Because in, in your keynote, Omar, I think it's different. You, you said metaverse, kind of the hype is gone, and you, yeah. you don't really. No, yeah. how, how it's uh, yeah the metaverse I, I think um this was a, i mean obviously a whole different technology whole different idea um but i think it's probably fair to say that this idea at least today and tomorrow is not gonna come through uh, it's just been proven wrong uh, i mean people don't want to spend all this time in in in, in, in virtual worlds and, and act through their avatars and whatever the metaverse was supposed to be um those platforms that we know i showed in the keynote the sandbox and in all these um uh, metaverse platforms they have like a couple thousand users only i mean we're talking like global uh, users uh, that's that's less than myspace uh has today um so so i think um It's just it's an interesting concept that might at some point have a second coming, and, and but I think for this day and age, it's not um, it's not something that we will yeah. see. I mean, from my perspective, it might be a B 2 B thing actually. So so it let's see in two or three years how how it's developed. I mean, it's, it's there's there's always uh, some applications that are useful. In, in, I mean, same with augmented reality. I mean. I don't. I still don't see the like those glasses that you can use the the, the um, Oculus and, and similar solutions. Um, it's nothing that really has like mass market ad adoption. But there's cases. There's like maybe edge cases where like certain uh, uh, doctors, or surgery, whatever you can imagine doing with those glasses. Um, industrial uh, usage but I think the, the B2C um, case is, is not really there 
Right. And what is your view on the current social media platforms, the others? Which one is most important? A good question. I, I mean, I think that I also uh, included that in, in, in the keynote a little bit, that I think social media in that sense does not exist anymore. Those platforms have turned into entertainment platforms. Uh, TikTok is not about you and me posting stuff there. It's about um, major influencers, media outlets, um, NBA, professional sports leagues posting stuff um, that then usually gets gets the, the most of the traffic. Um, so I think uh, social media is changing. It used to be a, a place where we would share vacation pictures, food pictures, um, friends, and, and, and now it's different. Now I look at other stuff, I see huge influencers um, and, and professionals uh, playing those platforms. I think that has changed quite a bit in the past two, three years. Um, and it's very similar on almost all platforms. It's with Instagram, with TikTok. Um, and then for me, a platform that I think is, 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 is maybe a little different still is, is, is LinkedIn. Mm. It's a more of a B2B platform. It's turning into a place where influencers are active and then where there's a lot of, I don't know, um, uh, Yeah, entertainment content uh, shows up. But for the moment, I think it's still a, more of a business network. Um, so that's relevant for me. Um, I think relevant for the kids is probably more TikTok. Yesterday, I was on an airplane and three teenage girls in front of me in the, in the, in the queue, um, they were all on Snap. So it's, it's like hmm. crazy how they were standing there in line and they were like constantly like taking pictures of stuff like they are... They are Jewelry, like and, and all posting it, and the, the the way they did it, super fast, um, tons of photos in like seconds. You know, I when I take an Instagram photo, I I reach my arm out, I start, start I shake the my hand, I try to really post for the picture, and I notice they don't even do that anymore. They just it's just take the seven out, thing to do, uh, right? switch the camera, and I didn't even notice they're taking pictures because they don't you make those moves, those picture taking moves. You know, stretching the arm out and uh, like turning and, and looking for the right spot. They just shoot, 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 and and and, and click, and then they have 10, 15 pictures they uh, upload on on Snap. And I stood there, I was like, okay, that's a different game. Um, yeah, so yeah. it seems like that is an important platform for them. But the numbers are not there. I mean, I, I had uh, Evan Spiegel, the Snap founder, on, on my podcast earlier this year, and um, I think it's an amazing company. But it's in Germany, it's still not of the same size as the ones I mentioned before, TikTok and um, and Instagram and, and LinkedIn. They, they they are they're bigger here. Snap is probably still relevant here, but not on the same level. And you also said in your keynote that people tend to take only 0.4 seconds to yeah. decide uh, if they look at something uh, a little longer or if they just swipe away. I know. And if, if you think it on your uh, regarding your edutainment um, products, so how, how do you make sure that people really take the time to, to understand topics, to uh, dig a little deeper and, and don't only touch on, on the surface? Because I think also in society, that's a problem right now that people always only touch the surface and don't really take the time to really think things through and, and understand arguments and, and, and just be a little... I think um, it's... it's, it's um, I, I see the same problem. I think it's in a, in 
um, above a certain uh, level of, of probably education and, and, and maturity, I think you have um, a division between this this very short form um, content that you just like swipe through and uh, use it very uh, superficial. And then you have new formats that are successful these days and they're exactly the opposite. A podcast is one hour and millions of people listen to like stuff for an hour and really obviously like get deeper into stuff. Documentaries, if you look at Netflix and um, other documentary video platforms, it's huge. People obviously like to indulge into something then in a documentary. Um, so I think there is this long format uh options but it's just like the majority of the people they are not the ones that find their way there they live mostly on on tiktok then on, on those short form platforms and so it's it's really a, d a divide i think in, in our society between people that are still have the patience and still have the the background to, to yeah to dive deeper into something the offer is there and millions of people do it But then again, there's even more millions of people that are maybe stuck on these superficial platforms. Um, yeah, and I think uh, it's it's uh, it's a world we live in now. It's I know how it, how we got there, uh, but I don't know the exact way out. I just I think it's making sure people get enough education because the world world is not as bad as it seems. I mean the long form, the deep content is there and is used by millions. You just have to make sure more and more people graduate into this um, long form content and find it and discover it and, and, and discover the beauty of it. Um, and it all starts with education, with like making sure that people uh, understand the difference between like a TikTok reel and a, and a documentary that has like real substance. Quick fire round. Philip, how do you keep fit? Uh, oh, I run, I row, I do uh, pull-ups, I bench press, <laughs> I stretch, <laughs> all kinds of stuff. I really enjoy doing sports. Do you do you do rowing in, in an actual boat or no? At, at home, I'm, I mean, on, 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 on good days I, I run like once or twice a week. On not so good days or weeks, I, I sit in our rowing chair. Just another question around your ideas. I mean, you, you have, I think, so many ideas in your, in your mind. How do you manage these? How do you <laughs> differentiate between this is this is really a BS idea, I don't want to follow <laughs> it, but, and this is an idea that might might really come through? So, I mean, in the end, it's it's also a team by now, right? I mean, there's so many people that we do this with, like OMR is now uh, over 400 people. So if I come here and uh, there's nothing I can do by myself anymore. I can, I can open the office and... Without anybody else being there, I can do nothing. I can open my laptop, and but I need the team. And so the minute I have a new idea, I write to somebody, uh, I ask somebody, um, and then I get uh, immediate feedback. And, and, and so many ideas that I have, I don't find uh, positive feedback, so that we, we, we throw them out. Um, this is one thing. And the other thing is what, what I usually do and always did and f f obviously find interesting. My, my whole podcast is about this, is... In Germany, we call it beer deckel. Um, I do a very brief business plan on a, on a beer bed or beer uh, yeah, beer bed. I think is the name um, uh, and, and back of the envelope uh, calculation. I really, mm. you know, calculate something 
in the in the very briefest form and, and say, look, this could be the revenue, this could be the cost, this is how it could be. Um, and then I try to uh, valid validate um, ideas like with this beer bag back of the envelope uh, method. And Philip, who inspires you? Um, and, phew, it's always different. Um, it's not this one person that I... I mean, obviously, I, I found Shane Smith, who found advice, in, uh, inspiring. I, I look at what, what what Jay Z does, and uh, that's inspiring. Yeah, um, but it's it's um, it's some of the bigger names that, that 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 are relevant for me or to me for years. But sometimes it's it's uh, smaller things. I just um, I don't know. Yesterday, as I said, I was at at, at Munich Airport, and I uh, for the first time I saw that they have a, a barber shop. Uh, right by the by the gates, like mm. after after um, security check, they have now a barber shop, and I was like, okay, that's an interesting concept. And then I talked to the guy there. Uh, I want to get a haircut. I didn't have enough time, um, but talked to him, and, and the way he talked about it, he how he now is an entrepreneur and investing into doing haircuts for people that are waiting on on, on airport gates. I was like, oh, that's interesting. That's a new concept. That could be. We could scale that. I mean, there's how many? I sat there and and, and tried to like um, do the math with him and how we could scale this business, or how he could scale it, and how many airports are there, and. Um, Yeah, so so it's sometimes just the little people that you meet that do interesting stuff that have, you know, found their passion. Yeah, and you always need to stay curious, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's exactly the thing. I would I would say my my probably trade that helped me the most is is curiosity. I mean, that's that helps you. I mean, if you look, there's hundreds or thousands of people like that just stroll by at the airport and don't even notice there's a barber shop or a hairdresser now. And I was like, whoa, that's a new thing. I didn't know that. And then I go in and ask for, for an appointment. They said, no, no way. You have to wait. And I said, I, like, I can't. I have to plane. Um, but we, we talked and um, yeah, so it's, it's I, I want to know like how who had this idea of why this is not exist in Hamburg. And <laughs> yeah, that's really inspiring. I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's a new business model. I mean, it, I, I believe the, the, his, his, his shop there, I mean, it's probably one of the best uh, headers shops in all of Munich um, economically. I mean, I don't, I don't know about the haircut. I d didn't get one, but just economically from, the, from a business perspective, I don't know exactly what the rent that he pays there, but it's, there's always business there. Um, uh, from early morning until late at night, it's traffic, no advertising needed. Um, It just looked like a, like a good niche business idea. And I know so many people that want to be self-employed, that want to do their own stuff, that looking for an idea. There was one. Just one more marketing question on my side. How do you see the rebranding of, of Twitter to X? <laughs> uh, um, well, I, I mean, I, I, I listened to some, some thoughts about it from, from Scott Galloway, marketing people, professors on podcasts, and everybody said that there's so much brand equity that gets wiped out and destroyed, and um, it's such an uh, such a crazy decision to 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 do that. And I, the first time I realized what gets lost, what they lose, is when I realized that that we 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 call it tweeting, uh, we call it. Tweeten is like is a verb in the German language now and in other languages as well, um, and to give that up, uh, you, you've established the highest goal in marketing. Your brand now is part of of, of language and part of it's become a verb, not not a subject. Um, uh, that's probably the highest level, and 
they have they had reached it with Twitter, and, and you know now with X, my understanding is it gets lost. I mean, nobody says it's, let's X this or whatever. So I had a hard time understanding it as everybody else did. But I mean, let's see, Elon is not is not the worst to bet on. Philip, before we wrap up, do you have any advice for young leaders who are looking to pursue a career move? Uh, hard to say. I mean. Um, for me, I didn't. I didn't plan this. I didn't um, uh, strive for exactly the situation I'm in. So I, I, I feel I'm not the right person uh, to give advice because most people look for an advice that they can really like follow, and that somebody else has had success with following that exact advice. But I didn't follow any advice. I for some reason started this whole thing as a hobby to educate my friends about online marketing and out of this thing as out of this hobby seminars uh, the whole company the whole festival has come out of this but unplanned and completely not uh, foreseeable um, and the only thing that that drove me here is probably as we said curiosity um, just my my impulse to do something and not wait but just you know offer a seminar do something for friends that ask you about online marketing and then a passion for producing content I really like that um, so these things help me um, but I totally understand I was very lucky and I didn't follow that advice that I can now share unless um, it's passion and it's curiosity and it's uh, Go out and do. I mean, that's this great piece of advice: curiosity and passion. And if you if you use that, then you will be successful. Maybe not. I was. It's. I don't think anybody. I don't think it's. It's a hundred percent guarantee. There is no guarantees for nothing. Not in business and not in life. Um, but uh, I think it's. It's not the worst recipe. I mean, it's. It's the only. It's. It's the only one I can share because you know this. I know. I have friends that have really. Uh, structured their path and structured their 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 career and really achieved step by step um, what they want to achieve. Um, and in the end, they know better. Uh, they they really like made a plan and and then modeled everything after this plan. And for me, it's it this plan didn't exist. It was just you know the some inner drive uh, mm. to do stuff around OMR. But I had no idea I would, it would end, or it would hopefully not end, but it wouldn't, I had no idea I would get here. Look, um, thank you so much for taking your time today. Thanks and for coming by. It's, it's, yeah, it's, and it takes also a lot. for having us here in, in Europe. It takes a lot more time here. to come than to yeah. hang out with you here. So, so thank you for coming. And it's a really great office, right? We came here and thought, hey, look, everybody's sitting at home offices. But that's not the case here, right? We came in. There was the uh, barista giving us a cappuccino. You guys have a gym, free <laughs> soft drinks. So that's really, really a cool office. It's, 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 not, it's not very busy today. It's like, you know, it's, it's summertime. And, and then we had like construction going on in one office, new tables. So, but yeah, a little simple here. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in to Connecting for Future. We will be back next shortly with more insights into the world of technology. And please hit the follow button. And until then, we are going to see each other at the OMR 2024. Yeah, exactly. 7th and 8th of May. Yeah, see you there, Philip. Thank you. Thank, thank you so you. much. Bye-bye.